Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here this morning. It's a real privilege to be in church. I got food coloring and I prepared this yesterday and it goes everywhere. You've got to be really careful with food coloring. Isn't that true? Wow. And I got a white, so I've got a white cloth so that if it does go nasty, we can fix it up. Are you ready for the word this morning? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can be here. We thank you for life groups and what's happening in this church. They're wonderful and we bless you for them. As we come to your word now, God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would give us ears and hearts that are open to hear from you. And this information that we hear will go deep into our heart and it will grow and our lives will be transformed. Father, anoint me for this task of bringing your word. Help me to remember what I prepared in Jesus' name and help me present it clearly. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, here's a picture of my parents' wedding day. Back in 1970, Bruce, Robert, and Wendy Myra got married in 1970 in March. And um, after two years of marriage, mum fell pregnant and unfortunately had a miscarriage. And then sometime later, she fell pregnant again, had a miscarriage at 12 weeks. And then fell pregnant again, had another miscarriage at 16 weeks. And then four miscarriages, no, three miscarriages later, And seven years of marriage, into marriage, came out this little guy, Nathan Green. Oh. And I was a delight. (laughs) I was. I was a delight to my mother. My uh, mother was one of three girls. Her elder sister had three daughters. And her her, her second elder sister had three daughters. So I was the first son in mum's family. So mum was delighted. Dad was so excited. So incredibly excited by my birth that he sang all the way home. So King George V Hospital, Camperdown, I think that's, he came out of the hospital and he sang. And I said, Dad, what songs did you sing? He goes, I don't remember. But growing up, Dad used to sing this song. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. But not like that pitch. His, his pitches. My dad's got a great singing voice. Not. Not. And so he sang from the, from the hospital all the way to the train station. And on the train station, he was singing. So much so, the story goes that the station master, back then, came up to him and said, what's going on? Why are you singing like this? He got on the train, he sang and sang all the way home at Padstow. He was delighted by the birth of his son. And I hadn't done anything yet. And he was so excited. <laughs> and he was so excited by me. Friends, the, 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 the influence, that's an important word for us today, the influence... A child has on a family is huge. And friends, it's when we are born, we actually, even before we're born, we, we are start to influence the people around us. And as we live our lives, we live a life where we influence others. And, and even if, um, if we lived a life that left a legacy, we will continue to influence people once we've left this earth. This morning, I want to talk to you on the topic of influence, on the topic of influence. This is our final week in our series on the parable of the sower. In the parable of the sower, we're told that the sower scatters seed. This is the parable of Jesus. And it lands on four different types of soil, representing four different types of hearts. And, and we're looking at the last soil, the, the, the good soil, the fourth soil. And this is how Jesus describes it. This is Matthew 13, verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times that which was sown. 
God's desire for me and for you is to live a life of fruitfulness, that we would live a fruitful life. And this is how I define fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is fulfilling the purpose Jesus has for your life. And I broke that down into three parts. Number one was having a thriving relationship with God. The second one, which I preached last time, was around personal transformation, not just information or conforming, but transformation. And finally, our message for today and our final message in this series is around influencing others. If we're going to live a fruitful life, thriving relationship with God, personal transformation, and influencing others, living a life that leaves your stamp, your imprint on other people, a life that influences others. That is part of God's desire, God's will for your life, is that you live a life where you pass on what you got, you encourage, you leave an imprint, you, you leave something behind on other people in a, in usually, hopefully, in a really good way because sometimes influence can be really negative. We're talking about influence that is positive. The uh, scripture is full, particularly in the New Testament, where God calls us to influence others. Here's one around parents. Parents, Proverbs 22 says, train a child in the way he should go, he or she should go, and when he is old and not apart from it. Parents, you are to train your child. That is, as a parent, that's your influence on your child. Husbands, get ready for this one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And there's a few other verses. I cut that bit out and I went on to say, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Men, husbands, your task is to influence your way, influence your wife in a way that leads them to holiness, that leads them to godliness, that leads them to purity. Men, how are you leading your wives? How are you influencing your, your wives today? Going on. Christian leaders, here's a verse for you. 1 Peter, be shepherds. If you're a leader, if you're a kids leader, youth leader, young adult leader, life group leader, um, any form of leadership, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, to you, but being examples to the flock. As Christian leaders, our task is to influence the people we're leading in a, in a really godly way being examples to the flock, not lording it over them, saying, oh, I'm the boss, you've got to do it my way, rather coming in and serving them. Not because you must, but because you are willing. Christian leaders, how's your heart? Oh, I have to do this. Nathan asked me to do this. Or is it, I'm here to serve God. I'm willing God to serve you. Here's another one. Meeting together. Friends, it's a church setting. Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward, the, toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Why do you come to church? Do you come to receive? And that's no doubt part of it. Or, and, do you come to give to others? When I come to church, I'm always here to give. And I know I'm the paid guy to be here, and that's my job. But even before I was a pastor, I was here. I used to go to church with what could I give today to the people around me? It says here, 
consider how you may spur one another, how, how you may encourage one another on toward love, toward love and good deeds. Encouraging one another, even as the uh, day of Jesus' return comes closer. When you come to church, by you actually being in the room, you actually being here, filling up the space actually encourages others to say, oh, there's others, uh, there are other people here who believe what I believe and that encourages them. When you stand, uh, when you come to church, I encourage you to stand at the front and be passionate in your worship. Not to be a show-off, but rather to be an example set of what, per, what passionate worshipers are to, for our kids to see. Come to the front. Be example setters to the flock. When you're at morning tea, is it about you sharing your stories or is it about asking them how you go? Remember those three things? Find, find three people. How are you today? What's one thing that stood out to you from the message? What's God doing in your world? What's happening? What can I pray for you today? Pray for people. Serve. Are you serving? You may not be able to teach Sunday school, but you might be able to do morning tea. You might be able to welcome people. You might be able to help cars get in the car park. You might be able to set up the chairs. There's many, many ways. Why do you come to church? I encourage you to come with an attitude of what you can give. And as you do that, you will get stacks. You will get stacks. Is that okay? It's a bit heavy this morning. It's going to get lighter. Gifts are for others. I love this verse. But just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. It goes on, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Friends, God has given you gifts. And the gifts that God has given you is not just for the business world. It's not just for the soccer club. It's not just for your immediate family. It's for me. It's for you, your church, God's church. This is written in the context of the church. God has given you gifts. And God wants you to use those gifts to influence others. Use the gifts that God has given you to influence his church. People in need, Matthew 25. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Jesus is talking about the end when he returns and the people will be separated to his right and to his left, the sheep and the goats. Then the, and Jesus said, I'll put my sheep, on my sheep on my right and my goats on my left. And the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. What Jordan does and the team through LifeGate Care, we're doing the thing that Jesus wants us to do. We are influencing lives. People who are hungry, we are feeding them. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. God wants us to influence the lives of those who are struggling. It's there again, another one. God wants us to share Jesus. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are representing God on the earth. When the people in the world who don't yet know God look at us, where they see God, sort of. We're not, we're not gods, but we're his ambassadors. We represent him on the earth. We're to carry the message. We're to pray for the sick. We're to meet the needs. We're to share the love of Jesus. Last one, shining our light. Jesus says this, that you are the light of the world. Friends, church, if you're a Christian here this morning, you are the light of the world. You have a message 
that brings people out of darkness and into light. You have the message of eternal life. You have a way to live under God's authority, part of the kingdom that is like no other, that is special, that is unique, listening to his voice, following his promptings, reading the word, following what he wants you to live. We are people of the light. We live in the light. And this light is to be, to be displayed. Look what Jesus goes on to say. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. At night time, if you're in an aeroplane and you fly over, you look down, you see the lights of the city. That can't be hidden. You can't put a blanket over a city. You have to turn all the lights off and then you wouldn't see it. But the light shines and we're called to shine. Neither do people put a lamp. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, covering it up. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Friends, as a Christian, we are called to shine that light in the house. We are, kind, we are called to shine that light everywhere we go, in your workplace, when you take the kids to school, in the cafes, with your friends. You are called to shine the message, shine who Christ is, what he's done, that's in you with the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, as you shine your light, people will see it. And we pray that they will want what you've got. And on the day that Jesus returns, they will thank him and glorify him and honor him as they accept him as Lord and Savior. Friends, the Bible, the reason I've just done those last six or seven things is because I wanted to inform you. There's that word we talked about last couple of weeks. Inform you of God's truth. That God wants us as Christians to be influencers. Not to keep it to ourselves. Not to hide away in a little Christian commune away from the world. God wants us to shine the light. Influence the world around us. So here we go. Let's take the information and let's bring it to transformation. Let's get real. And Daniel talks so wonderfully about life groups, about getting real. Here's the take action piece. Who do we need to be to influence people? Who do we need to be? Not what do we need to do. Who do we need to be to influence the people around us? Three things this morning. Number one, who we need to be? We need to be attractive. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Number two, be available. Three, be deliberate. We're going to look at each one of these things in a bit of detail. The first one is be attractive. Now, before you think, Nathan's not talking about what you look like. Actually, that's not quite true. Because because if you uh, have muscles like Daniel Hackett, he has big muscles, and you might go, oh, I like those muscles. Not that, not that way, weirdo, but like, I want big muscles like Daniel Hackett. Hear that right? Daniel, tell me about those muscles. How did you get them? What did you eat? Um, Maddie had Josh, her son. Is Josh here today? Josh is like this, this tall. I said, Josh, what do you eat? I want some of that, right? If someone does, Melody has bling, bling, bling. If you like bling, Melody, teach me about your bling. High heels, teach me about high heels. If people dress, someone's got hair. Fiona, your hair looks beautiful today. I know it's just done this week and your husband noticed, which is really good as well. Um, where did you, where, where's your hairdresser? So people are, when, when, when people see something that they like, they're like, I want to know more about that. So actually your physical appearance can be important. And also the opposite is true, that if you dress poorly, don't look after yourself, that can actually turn people off, your influence on them. But let me say this, it's much, 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 much more than what you look like. Yeah, I was greatly encouraged as I was reading Isaiah 52. 
No, I lied. Isaiah 53, verse 2. This is talking about Jesus. This is what it says about him. It says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Now, that made, that made me feel very, very good. Because Jesus, didn't, Jesus wasn't a supermodel like my wife. Jesus didn't look like Mark Reed or Ken Woolley, these rugged men who are very, very handsome. Well, isn't he handsome? Jesus was ordinary like me. Anyone else want to be ordinary this morning? No one else? Just me? And Teddy and Marcella and Shumi. That's it. Anyone else? That's it. Jesus was ordinary. He didn't look like a supermodel. He didn't have big muscles. He mostly wasn't really little either. He was normal. There was nothing in his appearance that attracted people to him. Why were people attracted to Jesus? Because of his character and his performance. This is what it says here about being attractive. I want to say two things about being attractive. Number one, have an awesome character. And the second thing is around your performance. Let's talk about character first. When we look at Jesus' character and his love and his kindness, people wanted to be around him. And friends, let me say, if you want to be attractive, character is the most important piece because we hear many, many, many stories of people who do great things and yet they fall over because of a character flaw. Cricket Australia, the ball tampering with some of our cricketers, it's very, very publicized. That wasn't a performance issue. That was a character issue because there was this character trait about the desire to win it no matter what cost, therefore cheating's okay. And they got caught. It's a character flaw. If I ask you to describe to me, what's one of your best friends like? Describe to me what one of your best friends is, is like and why you have them as a best friend. You're not going to tell me that they, they're your best friend because of the job they do or they're not your best friend because of the money they have or because they're a celebrity. You're going to say they, they're a really good friend because they're reliable there's someone who listens. They're caring. They care about, they care about me. Friend, they, these, are, these are character things. The first thing, if you want to be attractive, is have, a, is have a character that attracts people to you. We talked about personal transformation a couple of weeks ago. Be transformed to be more and more like Jesus. Be caring, be loving, be kind, and people will want to be around you, and you will have the opportunity to influence because of how you treat them and who you are. Helpful? I just got your attention so well. Thank you for listening. I had like every eye. It was beautiful. Second thing is around your performance. I, uh, I, I started teaching, um, coaching a soccer team when Aiden was in his under eights. He's now in under twelves, and, and I coached for a year. And, and, and at the beginning of the next year, I had a text message from one of the guys in the club who was like one of the best players in the club, plays at the top level. And he texted me saying, can my son join your team because I've watched the way you've coached. He saw my performance as a coach and said, I want my kid in your team. And then he goes on to say, not that you are a master strategist or you win every game because we lose most games. He said, I, I, want, I, I want my kid as your coach because you give everyone a go and you're kind to them. You're kind to them and you give everyone a go. How I coached, my performance as a coach attracted someone to me. And it's true in, in every sphere of life, every sphere of life. If you do things well, people will be attracted to you. Let me give you, give you a list. If you're great in the workplace, if you're experienced in a certain 
area, people will want that. If you're great at building team, people will want to learn how you do that. If you're a great parent, people will want to know why you're such a great parent. Give me your influence. If you're great at creativity, songwriting, taking photos, design, um, Thomas Kelly is a genius at PA and stuff. He's one of the best in the nation. And people want his influence because of his performance. If you communicate well, they want, people want that from you. If you're a great leader, if you have lots and lots of money, people want to know how did you make your money. If you can care for people well, like our team with Jordan does in the dinner, people go, how do you do that? I, I want to be a part of that. I want that influence. If you want to be an influencer, have great character and, 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 and do great performance. Because if you do something well, people will want it. They'll want to learn from you. Two things, character performance. That's the first thing today, be attractive. Are you with me still? Have I lost you yet? A lot of stuff today. Second thing, number one, be attractive. Number two, be available. There's a passage in um, Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus is in high demand. He's communicating and teaching and preaching and and he's talking about the kingdom and he's healing people and people are coming all over the place. And then in Matthew 19, we have the religious leaders coming to Jesus and they're asking about divorce. And he's speaking to these people, these religious leaders who are highly respected in the community. He's talking to the celebrities in the community. And then in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, people bring the little kids to Jesus. And the disciples go, I don't think, let's just read it. Here it is here. Then people brought the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. That means he's going to pray for them and pray for them. Place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, in other words, when he prayed for them. That sounds weird, doesn't it? When he placed his hand on them. You can't say that today in today's society. Like, I say that weird. And I have to explain it. He prayed for them. He went on from there. The disciples, I don't know what they were thinking, but maybe they were thinking that Jesus is too important to have little children come. He's hanging out with the celebrities, people who come from everywhere. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to make time for the kids. And friends, let me say this, that if you want to be an influencer, make time for people. And people, it's easy for you as an influencer, and if you're doing something, if you're a CEO, to hang out with other CEOs, or if you're a great leader in a certain area, to hang out with other leaders. Make, make time for people who aren't there yet who have a passion to learn from you, to, 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 to grow from you. But, but let me give you two thoughts on this. Number one is this. You can't be available to everyone because if you do that, you'll burn out. The second thing is this. Make yourself available for those who want it and people who deserve it. Now, what I'm about people who deserve it, people who are willing to change, people who are teachable, people who want to go on a journey, not people who just want to suck from you and just hang out with you because you're a good guy or a celebrity or whatever, or they just want to make themselves feel good. But people who want to grow and who want to change, invest in those people because that's where you're going to have the biggest bang for your buck. Mr. Scipioni, um, the ex-police commissioner, was at our Easter event, and he shared um, about his he shared the message of Jesus and his experience as police commissioner, and and. When he was on the platform, I had a number of opportunities to speak to him. And one of the things I said to him, I said, Mr. Scipione, you have this opportunity to share Jesus that I don't have. When I get up on the platform, I'm the pastor from LifeGate, boo-hoo, 
no one cares. No one's going to listen. But when the police commissioner stands on the platform, he's done it for 10 years, he was on TV lots, and says, I'm a follower of Jesus, and that Jesus died for your sins, people are going to take notice. And I said to him, you have been given so much. And I suppose it's that, that our verse in Luke 12 where Jesus says, much is given, much, much is expected. And he went on to say, and you're, you're right, Nathan, I have been blessed and God's given me all this. And now's my time to use the influence that I've got to share this message that I'm so passionate about with the world. On that night, on that Easter Saturday, it was his 60th birthday. 60th birthday. And he left the party that his family organized, not his 47th birthday, 60th, a big one, to come and share at our event. How cool is that? Pretty good. He gave. He made himself available so he can influence. Be attractive. Be available. Last one. Be deliberate. Be deliberate. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, which is the verse for our church, Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus declares his mission. What he's about to do to his hometown, he declares it from Isaiah 61. And then Jesus was then deliberate in doing these things. And this, this scripture, is all about the influence Jesus is about to have on the world around him. The Spirit was on him so that he could preach, that he could release, he could set people free and proclaim this message of the kingdom. It was all about influencing others. Jesus was focused and he was deliberate. And then so Jesus goes the next three years and he speaks to different groups. He speaks to, and this is important, right? He speaks to the crowd. The thousands, the 5,000, he fed them. The 4,000, he spoke to thousands and thousands of the crowd. Then he spoke to smaller groups. He spoke to the religious leaders. He had parties where he smoked to, spoke, spoke, smoked to, spoke to, whatever. He smoked. I don't think he would have smoked. Um, maybe? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. Culturally relevant, I suppose. Um, whatever. Maybe. Um, parties, banquets. But then he had the large crowd, the smaller group, but then he had the, the 120 on the day of Pentecost. And then he had the 12, and then he had the three. And he spent the most number of time with the three, because the three were there when the 12 were there, and the three were there when he was speaking to the crowds. And the second group, the, the, their second largest group was the 12. He had the 12, and then they were there with the bigger crowds. Jesus focused his attention, and, his deli- and he was deliberate on not just doing the crowd thing, but focusing on a small group of people because he knew that he influenced a small group of people a lot that would have a bigger impact on the kingdom than influencing a lot of people from a distance. Point is this. Influence a few people and influence them a lot. Let me give you some examples. This is Jesus at the crowd, or you could say around LifeGate Church. You could say this is our Easter event. One drop, one opportunity. And the blue, one blue drop, a bit of influence. Then we have Sunday gatherings, and you guys hear me pretty regularly, and obviously my influence here, I'm checking for blue things because I have a white shirt on. I'm safe, safe so far. Um, my influence on you is obviously much stronger, but then you hang out in your life group, it gets smaller again, and Daniel spoke so well about talking about life 
and, and, and you can influence people in your life group. And then if you mentor, it's a one-on-one thing. You get to influence them and speak into their life and you can leave a bigger imprint on the person that you mentor than you can on the crowd of thousands. And, and, and this is how it goes, that if you get one or two or three or a small group of people and you give them not just one or two or three or four or five and you continue to influence the people, look how they turn out. Whoa! Look how they turn out. Look at the imprint that you can leave on them. You know, in your life, you have the crowd, the supermarket, and you smile at someone. Whoops. You smile at someone, and they smile back, and maybe that was the nicest thing you've done all day. That's the thing, the nicest thing they've experienced all day. That is your influence on them. Or maybe... You come to church and the 130, 150 people that we have on a Sunday, including kids on the deck, and you might talk to a few people and have a small amount of influence. But then you have the workplace and maybe you're in a team of 12 or you're a team of eight and your influence can go deeper as you share your life and you hear more of their life and you get to shine the light of God. Or in your life group of up to 12 people, you get to journey with them and share where you're at. But then it goes smaller again to the people that you mentor, to two or three or four young adults that you deliberately invest in, or if you're an older person, Judy, those mums and dads that you deliberately invest in. Or then if you're a parent, your children, even smaller, you put a great, a huge amount of influence in their lives because you want to see them develop and be all that God wants them to be. And husbands on wives and wives on husbands, this, this influence we have the big and we have the small. Let me encourage you, and let me encourage you to focus on the small. This is what John Maxwell says as we come to the end. John Maxwell is one of my heroes. These are some of his thoughts. He says, focus on 20%. He says this, 20% of the people determine 80% of the success of the success of the organization. I read it again. I read it badly. 20% of the people determine 80% of the success of the organization. Second thing. Work out which 20% are the top producers. Spend 80% of your people time with the top 20%. Spend 80% of your personal development dollars on the top 20%. Just determine what percent, what 20% of the work gives 80% of the return and train an assistant to do the 80% less effective work. This frees up the producer to do what he or she does best. Maximal in the 80-20, he works out that a small group the, the are key influence, the people that are bought in, they're going to have the biggest impact on the church, on the community. And so as a church, I can't possibly spend, there's like 280 people who are part of LifeGate Church. I cannot possibly spend time with all those people. But what I can do is get the top 20% of influencers, the, the, the staff, the elders, the key leaders, and invest my time into them who then turn around and invest their time into others. And that's how we influence That's how we influence the church. So as we finish this morning, so who are you intentionally influencing? I say intentionally because it's easy to smile at someone at worst. It's easy to say, how are you going? The uh, sharks won at morning tea. But intentionally influence is saying, what's going on in your world? How can I speak encouragement over this person? What's this person's next step? How do I help them to take it? This is unintentional. This is intentional. The imprint that you can leave on people's lives. You can reproduce yourself in others. You can put your stamp 
on people's lives. In our youth and kids ministry, our focus this year is to develop leaders. And so our Rising in Power kids, we're working out their next step. So some of them are going to serve in kids ministry, some serve on the computer, some are going to serve in youth ministry, some serve on the platform. We want them serving because we want to influence them to be the leaders of the future. At church, LifeGate, we have the School of Leadership. We did it last year. We tanned this year. We got nine people who are learning about leadership and how they can influence others in the church and in their world. Who are you intentionally influencing? If you're married, start with your family, your husband, your wife, your family. But then think about your business. Maybe there's two or three people who are committed and dedicated and you see potential in them. Influence them. Maybe there's a mum at school and you go, I reckon I can, that person's struggling, I reckon I could get alongside them and speak life into them. Who are you intentionally influencing? And imagine what this church would be like if every single one of us was intentional about influencing others. We look younger and we say, I'm going to influence that person. I'm going to deliberately influence my children at a whole new level to see them be the people that God wants them to be. Imagine a, imagine a church where each one of us got serious about this influence thing and we took the people around us to a new, new level. Imagine the, imagine the impact for God's kingdom. In Jesus' name. Done. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. God, I want to thank you that you are our God and that you are our Savior and it's a huge privilege to be called your children. And God, as your children... You call us to be the light of the world. You call us to influence others, people in need, family members, as leaders, the people we're leading, as Christians, the people in our workplaces. You call us to influence. Father, I pray that you would help us to see that as true. And Lord, that we would be intentional in influencing others, that we would think of some people in our world who we can deliberately invest in so they would go to a whole new level. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.